Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time. McDonald stood up through the contact, kicked it towards Reeves! But they couldn't get near. He's 35 metres out. Oh, that a little. And he's kicked straight enough to register Hawthorne's fifth goal. And they couldn't be much more impressive at the moment. Norton again. Oh, he didn't mark. Well done, Blank. But all it did was delay the goal. And it's volleyed out of the air by West. McRae underneath to Bontempelli from 40 out. Beautiful kick. The captain steps up. And the deficit is just a point. Norton to Dunkley on the turn. He's got it. The Dogs have kicked six in a row in the game. They lead it by 12. Norton will draw the footy. There's plenty to fly. Hugo Hagen across the front. Had a couple of bites to the satisfaction of the umpire. Mara Hugo Hagen looking for his first. He's able to join the scoring spree. 13 on the bounce for the Dogs. Scott takes it on the bounce. The final siren rings out. The Dogs got the two wins they had to have. They're 42 point winners over the Hawks. It's still a hell of a lot of the season to go and, and no one's sure where everyone ends up at this point. Um, you know, we, we think these games are as important as, as probably uh, as challenging as playing teams who are who, you know, above you quite factually on the ladder. And so we're really only uh, looking at that, that next one up and they'll all be, they'll all be significantly challenging, um, but we, we don't want further than the lines this week. The Bulldogs ready themselves for the gauntlet run ahead, hammering the hapless Hawks. Now the question looms, are the Dogs good enough to make the eight? Eagles in front by 10 points. Bombers are going to get and go. Hind throws it on the boat. Siren sounds. The Eagles have broken an 11-month drought at home. To the day, July 24, 2021. And they've broken the drought. Oh, it's a bit, bit of relief, I suppose. It's been a long time between drinks, so yeah, I think probably since half time of the Adelaide game, we've seen slow improvement, and uh, we've got some players back as well. So you know, talent helps to get a win at home with a crowd of 41,000 tonight. So that was really pleasing. They they turned up, and yeah, we put on a good show. The Eagles deliver on the promise of a week ago, finally registering their second win, while the Bombers fail to back it up and are left with the same issues that have dogged their season. Now, Jordan's owning this behaviour. He's stepping in and he's taking accountability and responsibility for his actions. I can't help but think right now, I just want to get him back. Yeah. I really do. I want to get my arms around him. I, I spoke to him yesterday and he's not in the place to step back in the footy club mm. right now. I guess I was uh, frustrated by it. Our position in the AFL is really clear. There was no place for anything other than behaviour across our community that has total respect for women. And apologise for my actions and my behaviours. I don't condone that behaviour at all and I've got a lot of work moving forward. You know, I'm not a perfect person, I don't think I ever will be, but hopefully I can make some changes so these mistakes don't happen again. And um, yeah, just on that I would like to apologise once again. And where do the events of the past week leave Collingwood and Jordan Degoe as the Magpie superstar sits out the weekend on personal leave? It's all ahead as Super Saturday begins on the Round 15 edition of Crunch Time.
The Demons ramped up, the Bulldogs tuned up, Essendon slipped up. There's a bit of choose your own adventure before we settle into these three games back to back to back today that will have huge ramifications for the pointy end of the ladder. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Luke Hodge is with me. Hello to you, Hodgie. Morning, Jared. Uh, interesting first few games of football. We saw the last two, last year's grand finalists flex their muscle again. We saw potentially what Hawthorne can do in the future if they stick together and, and fix up a few of those gaps. Questions are on Brisbane Lions at this stage. Lost three of the last five. Um, but yeah, so interesting start to the, set, uh, to the, to the round. It's a glorious day for football, and it's a glorious day of football. Dermot Brereton is going to join us shortly. Sam Edmund, hello. Jared, good morning to you. G'day, Hodgie. Is the Baja man famously pondered, Jared? who let the dogs out? <laughs> How good was that last night after quarter time? That's what we know, the dog. And I'll rap for Riley West, too, who, let's be honest, his old man has been outspoken about his son's lack of opportunities in times gone by. Well, he just played his seventh game, I think, uh, by a fair margin, the most he's played in a single season. And he had a real impact last night, didn't he? My word, he did. That's his best game of footy so far. And this looks magnificent, by the way. The roof, the roof is roof open, open for the time being. How good is it having the sunroof open here? What a magnificent vista that is. And what a shame. I actually didn't realise the sun shines down here in winter. Every <laughs> yes. time I've been down here, it's been overcast, raining, cold. I actually thought about wearing shorts this morning. Walked right into that one, didn't I? It it does look beautiful, though. Uh, Your beat has got a lot going on. Essendon's was a small uh, review. North Melbourne's is a silent uh, review. Yeah, what is that? That's uh, Jeff Walsh going in there. So if Carlton went in with Jeff Walsh riding shotgun, that was the cannons were out, weren't they, at um, at full tilt. This is Jeff Walsh perhaps with a sort of a balaclava on, a a, a little silencer on, on the pistol going in. As a consultant, if you like, uh, Jared, we'll get into this because this is a real mess. It's not being called a review. What have they got down there? They've got now got two consultants reporting to two heads of football at North Melbourne. So I would have thought it's not going to take Jeff Walsh too long to sort out that there's a dysfunctional football operation going on. Well, it might be precisely what they need. The early game, the first to go is Carlton and Fremantle in the middle, Geelong and Richmond, and at the close. Sydney and St Kilda and how volatile it all is is pretty well emphasised by the fact the Bulldogs just for the moment sit sixth and they'll wait to see if they get displaced as we go along. So a lot on the Dogs and the Hawks, Jackson McRae is going to join us. Just I feel bitterly disappointed that Essendon didn't back up what they did the previous Friday night. They got all the right plaudits and it did seem to open up the possibilities for them. They were a big topic on crunch time last week, but Kane Corns had the rider. Make sure you do it again. We, we give you the stamp, but make sure you do it again. And they didn't. Yeah, that's that's a tough thing for for a younger team and I guess developing team. I know we we overshot Essen at the start of the year, and they haven't played the football to their standards or the expectations of of anyone else. But what we saw last week was so exciting. And I think that's what West Coast would have focused on. West Coast have got a lot of senior players. And if you look who they've brought in the last two weeks, um, Liam Ryan, Kelly, Willie Rioli, Yo, they're all all those senior players are are back. So if I was Adam Simpson, I've got no doubt that his focus was solely on slowing down the Essendon's ball movement because that's what got him exciting last week. It was last week, it was Redmond off half back liner, it was Hind. Just breaking lines. If they made a mistake, it didn't really matter. But that was the focus of West Coast last night. And it was a tussle, but they got over the line. And yet, the numbers, Jared, they've had 16 more inside 50s. They've controlled the clearances. They've controlled contested ball. They've had the same amount of scoring shots and the same old problems that would just be horrifying Essendon supporters picked apart far too easily on transition. And every time West Coast went inside forward 50, they were a Monty to score. They were a Monty. Yeah, they were never winning in the second half, Essendon. 
So against all of that, is the Eagles, your point, they were always going to score the goal that was going to keep the buffer, and every time they got challenged, they restored their buffer, and Essendon have kicked the last two goals to maybe make it look a little bit neater than it was going to be. Is that, is that the experience senior players from, from West Coast? Just whenever they need to do something, that's where you look at Essendon, they lack that experienced person to have the composure. Look, they got out to a good start, 20 points up in the first quarter, and we thought, oh, hang on, here we go. It could be Essendon again, but... West Coast at home, yes, they haven't won there for 12 months, but they do have those senior players back in there. Kennedy, I think we all thought five goals was past Kennedy, but he showed what he's he's of. Cripps, Rioli, um, it just seemed like they had the, the stable heads um, to step up when they needed to. What do we think of the double header, by the way, Jerry? Um, Geez, we've had a good crack at it, haven't we? The seven, o'clock, the, the 7 o'clock game, I like that. Yeah. Early game, was, nice it was excellent. Oh, you're singing from my hymn sheet when it comes to the early start. I just wonder about... The, the double up and the slight overlap and then the late finish for the for the for the end game. But uh, they've had a good look at it, haven't they? I think that was that might be in their fourth or fifth one. They've, they've so had, they've that's the year. only construct I think that works is early Melbourne, late yep. Perth. But do you do you waste it? Is once you've got the Thursday night, is what it does is today's schedule is right. Game, game, game. No overlap. We like that. Yeah. Don't bury a game in under these three crucial matches. My concern was the seven o'clock people getting in here in time. With finishing work, getting the kids from school, all that, making sure that they weren't rushed to get here. Everyone I spoke to before the game, they were in here with heaps of time. Yep. Those times was, have changed. Yep. COVID's changed all that now. We're not nine to five, nine to six in the office, going to get the kids, picking them up from wherever, taking them home, getting the sort of coming back in. People are generally working from home now. Everyone's lifestyle has changed. And you're right, that crowd last night was a, was a good crowd for a seven o'clock. And after a long week at work, what's better to sit back, watch two games of football? And it just kicks off the weekend. A lot of kids as well, they, they go to bed early as yep. well. So if they're getting the, at home, they're getting the game starting at 7 o'clock. They don't have to sit up till 10.30 to watch the, the finish of it. So I'm all for the early game. The Bulldogs' prospects, they're 8-6. and six. They finished the season with the Giants and Hawthorne. So the two they've just played, they play again at the end. And I think on face value, you're entitled to go, those are two wins. That gets them to 10. So then you run the equation through these six games. Mm. Brisbane, Sydney, St Kilda, Melbourne... Geelong and Fremantle. Are they good enough to split those and get to 13 wins? They'll make it if they get to 13 because their percentage is so good. Are they good enough to do better than split those and actually take up a position in the ruck rather than at the fringes of the eight? Or are they not good enough to get the split from those games and they are destined to miss? That's the big question that sits over the Bulldogs. Well, what we saw the last three quarters last night, why not? They've got uh, they've got St Kilda, Melbourne. They've got four games here at Marvel. We saw what they could do last night. And if that contested possession, you look at Brisbane this Thursday night. What got Brisbane on Thursday night was Melbourne's in and under midfield. Just the, the big bodies bullied them. Libba, Bont, what we saw Bulldogs do to Hawthorne the last three quarters, that's the setup for them to beat the line. So you sit back and go, why not? We've always sort of said that they've always got the potential. But if they can put that for the next month to, to six weeks... They're, they're a dangerous team if they can play the footy we saw. So what's working is we were talking off there about Shaki and Eugle Hagen. Yeah, I think the, ever since Bruce went down, they, they dropped a few games, played some good foot, finals footy to get into the grand final and got demolished from, from grand final day. But having one forward in, in Norton, it just seems to be too much pressure for him. So he needed some help. And they, at times, they've had a few mids go through there and, and spend some time. But... What we saw of Eugle Hagen last night, taking four contested marks. Shaki in that third quarter, 
Yes, they won a lot more contested ball and they got it in there, but he looked dangerous. So if you've got Eugle Hagen, who's agile, can move around, you've got Norton, what he can do with the ball, but his pressure when the ball hits the ground as well was excellent for a tall forward. That three-string attack with a bit of agility through there, they just look so much more dangerous and you don't have to rely on, on Norton every time, with or without the headband. Defensively, they were good, weren't they? There were moments where you're even watching at home on the TV, you could tell that Hawthorne, their instinct was to go like they always go. And then they went when it wasn't on, and then they didn't go when it was on, and it was like they just run out of answers by the end. I think a lot of that came to their ball movement, and well done to, to Luke Beveridge and, and the coaching staff of Bulldogs. They, their tactics early in the game mm. was to switch the ball to make Hawthorne run, but as soon as they did, they turned the ball over. Hawthorne had a pathway to go through the middle. From second quarter onwards, it was all about density through the middle, so not as much switching, kick short, run through the middle, and they could set up just so Hawthorne couldn't slingshot when they turned the ball over. It was very smart tactically, and it, it worked for them. Reinforcements on the way, though, Jared. So Toby McLean plays VFL today. He's coming back through. We know Josh Bruce had a bit of uh, hamstring tightness, but he's not far away. Bailey Smith's obviously to come back. Vandermeer is close as well. So they've got Ed Richards out with concussion, so he'll miss next week. And, and Tim English might miss again too, I'm told. So it'll be right on the 12 days for the concussion protocol. So base, he might play, but I'm told there's no room for error. So he's in the doubt the doubt basket to back up and, and come back next week. This is the, the tease part from the Bulldogs, because I remember after round eight, I was saying, have we overshot for Bulldogs? Are they as good as what we thought? Because they played three good finals, got into the grand final. Have, they, have we over-expected stuff from them? But as I said, their, their last month of footy, uh, what if they won five of the last six? Um, you can't question if they can bring that attack to the football and, and just leave, follow Libba, pretty much. He's still yeah. what Libba does. So Liberatore last night, Viney the night before, so it was good. the return to Grunt, yep. wasn't it? And it, it wasn't just in the stoppage. There was a bit of play through the middle of the ground. I think CJ yeah, had it run across. It. And yeah. Libba has just... He ran past three of his teammates, two Hawthorne blokes, to put pressure on. CJ ended up turning the ball over. He doesn't get a stat for it, doesn't. but the power of work that he did, it was a 60-metre sprint just to put some pressure on. CJ and found himself up against him. A couple, there was a moment where there was a 50-50 ball where he had as much right to it as Libba did. Libba just wanted it more, Jared. It ended up with the, the volley from Rolly West mm. in, the, in the goal square to convert. When you're playing against someone like Libba, when he has no care for his own safety, you do not want to be on the other end of that because <laughs> he'll run through whether he gets you or not. He'll put his, his yep. himself at risk just to win that football. Their connoisseur's choice, I think, the Bulldogs, as to whether you want to or not, is like the first quarter, poor, the last quarter, shootout. I don't like that at all. Seven goals each at the end. No, give, give me the middle two quarters. Didn't really like them in the Giants game. They had that under control. But that's not going to be... That's not going to get you the results you need in that next six. So I hold a candle for them, and I don't know whether I'm I'm right to or not. But... Um, well, does your candle have the initials JB written on it for Josh uh, no, Bruce? So that's no, big... it doesn't. Because I'm watching Eric Hipwood at the moment, and I'm going, nah. Yeah, this yeah. is such a big... It is so big to get back at the pointy end of the season when it, it really is high-stakes football. There would be a flow-on effect from having There it. would be, but but yeah, yeah. I don't want to be... Uh, Hipwood is borderline liability at the moment. Mm. So I, I think I think if you're holding out for Bruce, that's you're holding out for a, a notion that really is unlikely to materialise. Mm. Sort of judge them on so what we saw at stages last year, what they might be capable of. But you can just as easily make the case against them as you can for them at the moment. All they've done is won the two games that they absolutely should have to stay afloat. And now we'll see. Brisbane at the Gabbo is not a bad starting point. I feel like it's a good time to get the Lions. And we, we talk about AFL players in today's day. It's not as if you can come back in half done, sit at full forward and not squeeze up. 
It's an 18 man. You, you, we've spoken of why Freeman have been so good is the fact it's an 18 man defence from the full forward to the full back. If you bring Bruce in and he's got to play up and back, fitness it takes a lot yeah. to, to get that back from having 12 months out. You've spoken about Hitwood. Hitwood's playing, trying to play like he used to, that high up, leading half forward, and he just looks fatigued. And that, that will come at time, but Bruce, obviously, with hamstring issues at the moment, yeah. leaving his run very late. Exactly. And round 15, this is the danger zone, isn't it? No room for error here. It's a bit like Geelong and Paddy Dangerfield, just to give him that extra week, which I get the impression Danger probably too wasn't too, wasn't too happy to be told, mate, you're just going to sit out another one. Um, no fitness test. I think he was just told, mate, we're erring on the side of caution. So if they have a slip up here again with him, especially with a calf, and Bruce is the same, we're in that window now where you you get sidelined now. It's, it's a long road back. What of Hawthorne? Uh he, you can see what they want to try and do. Like the, the aggressive, they play like Mitch did when he was a player. Wants to take the game on, wants to be aggressive. If you make a mistake, he's okay with that. If you make a mistake trying to do the right thing, he'll sit back and say, hey, next time make a smarter decision. Um, the area that they need to improve on is just when to go and when not to go. That, and that's what we saw. The Bulldogs tightened the reins, kept density through the middle. Hawthorne still tried to pick a few of those kicks to take those risky ones. And that just comes with development and understanding of the game style. But... If you listen to what he said after the game, he said to him at three-quarter time, I'm not going to go and change things structurally. You've got to figure it out for yourself if we're not going to win contestable. And that's how he was as a player. As a player, Sam Mitchell used to crack it if the coaches would change structurally before the players could figure it out himself. And you can see that's what he's trying to do as a coach. He wants his players to develop. When Hawthorne lost to Essendon, when they were up by 40 or 50 points and Essendon came charging home, he didn't throw your Tommy Mitchells and your Jagers in the middle. He left it to Newcomb and the likes to try and get them to understand how to change the tide himself. And, look, he, he wasn't happy after the game, Sam, but you could sort of see that he's getting the, the players to a stage that he wants them to about learning the game and understanding how he wants them to play. Do you like that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you, you're not going to come in. And I, I personally sit back. When he won a few games early, uh, they beat Port Adelaide over there. I'm sitting back going, don't win too many games because you can't get a rebuild off one draft and, and make the top eight. Or very few teams can do that. So you want to see him compete. You want to see the game style that, that they're playing. But you also want him to get a few draft picks. So the longevity of staying up the top. So I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. And as you expect from all teams, all young teams, they're going to be a few little tweaks that they need to improve. And that's about development. And what about the headband rip, which is immediately <laughs> part of folklore, is Sicily, who he was having a dirty night, decided, oh, well, I may as well fight if everything else is going awry. He engaged with Norton. They finished their grapple, and then he came in and he ripped their headband off. I reckon Norton was happy to engage too, by the looks. Yeah, he was ready to have a go. He didn't like the headband band, Bruce Dool style, getting ripped off. What I liked straight after that was Bont. Bont saw that happen. He charged at Sicily. <laughs> Sicily saw him come and flipped him over, and then... Later on the next quarter, uh, I think it might have been later on in that quarter, Sicily's tried to drop yeah. Bont. Bont <laughs> saw him come and put Sicily on his backside, and Sicily's like, ooh, Bont, you're a big boy, aren't you? So it was, it was just a good battle, and, and people are going to... There's always going to be the people out there going, oh, Sicily, what's he doing here, trying to fight? Sam Mitchell said after the game, he'd prefer someone to go out there and, and be aggressive and fight and have a little bit of grunt than someone who's going to sit back, accept it, cop it, and do nothing. Um, so... Look, I, I thought it was a bit of fun. You could sort of see every time Sicily was pushing with Norton, pushing with uh, Bont, there were smiles. Bont was smiling back, and there was no, there was no harm in it. It was, it was a bit of fun. Right. We'll bring Dermot Brereton in, in shortly. Jack McRae is going to join us from the Bulldogs as well. We'll look back to Thursday night, and then we'll spend our time setting up Saturday and debating the issues from the week. You're listening to Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you. 
Crunch time on Super Saturday. We're looking back before we cast an eye forward. Dermot Brereton has joined Luke Hodge. Derm, welcome. Good afternoon. Morning, gentlemen. I was a bit late, but no. Got Not the rat late. test. Not We're all clear. <laughs> so you must do the right thing. Exactly. Yes. Those yes. are the times. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk to Jack McRae shortly. Just, just what's your view on Essendon out of last night? Not backing up from one Friday night to the next. With a degree of what I'd say my best accuracy, they're better than they were, but it wasn't good enough against a team which probably, given that I think they had their best player out in McGovern, uh, best performed this year, I'd say, McGovern for the for the Eagles when he's been there, uh, they had a better team in and they played better footy. They would be pleased with the way they went, the Eagles. They were still incredibly gettable for a team which you'd, you'd say at the moment is aspiring to get out of the bottom five or so. Uh, and you would expect them without McGovern at the helm, even on the road, to win that one. I thought they performed better than their dreadful performances, but just not quite there. It was really apparent early that their back line... I mean, Darling hasn't had a great year, and he shifted, I think it was Mason Redmond sideways... No, no, Laverde sideways with power and strength. With a lot less inside 50s, they just overpowered them, the two key forwards. All right, we'll uh, delve a little further with Dermot as we go. The Bulldogs vice-captain Jack McRae is with us. He's notched his 130th disposal game <laughs> as Jackson. Congratulations and welcome. I hope you've raised the bat. <laughs> yeah, not exactly, but, um, yeah, didn't really know about that. But, uh, yeah, not, not the worst. Not the worst. It makes you quite <laughs> prolific, really. Yeah, I think, you know, I've been fortunate to, you know, play in some, some pretty good teams and um, be surrounded by some superstars, you know, with Libra and Bon and certainly make my job pretty easy out there. Jack, quarter time. Obviously, the uh, the Hawks jumped you a little bit. What was Bevo's message? And it seemed to be a pretty clear tactic with the ball um, moving into the second quarter. Yeah, I think, you know, we probably haven't been wrapped with how we've been starting games. Obviously, the Geelong game probably cost us the win the way we started that. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's not ideal, but I think just probably our ball use played into to Hawthorne's hands, especially early, and um, we corrected that, and then the contest side of our game took over, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a great second and third quarters, really. With the, uh, with the midfield, we always look at Bont as the person who's you sort of jump on. You're always getting your 30 touches. Um, what we've noticed is Libba, he wants to be the man these days. If, if you need a lift, it's normally him who's putting, the, putting a big tackle on, getting the clearance, bursting through the pack. Have you noticed that as a, a teammate of his over the last couple of years? Oh, yeah. I think anyone who ever plays with Libba, he's one of those players, whoever you get asked who do you love playing with the most, he's normally in your top handful. So... Um, he's we've we've known what he's been doing for years and years, and um, it's good to see him get a bit more external recognition these days. Hey, Jack Dermot Burton here. Congratulations, mate, on the on the thirty-one. What is it? One hundred thirties. That that is a very an unbelievable effort. Congratulations. Um, well done last night. I thought the change in the game on closer analysis just after quarter time was when you didn't have the ball. You disallowed Hawthorne to move the ball quickly and you disallowed them quick movement through the centre. Yeah, I think we weren't, you know, really wrapped with how we defended against GWS. Obviously, uh, I think the broadcast were pretty happy with the, with the total score and how many goals were kicked, but um, internally we wanted to defend better and, um, 
especially after quarter time, as you said, I thought we did that a lot better, making them go around the middle and um, kick to probably more contests. A lot of, yeah, well, as you say, a lot of uh, people in the media, we say, isn't it wonderful that so many goals kicked, highest scoring game of the year? And I've heard a couple of interviews with some of the doggies after that game last week, and they say, oh, no, we're happy to get the win, yada, yada. Surely the coach said, yeah, we'll take the four, but we aren't happy with the way we defended and we aren't happy with the way we let them score. Is that the truth of it? Yeah, obviously, you know, it's always nice to get the win, but, um, yeah, ideally you don't want, you know, Toby Green obviously had an amazing game and I don't think, you know, the team we want to be, we want to play in deep finals and um, be in those moments. So you're not going to go very far if you give you up 100 points each week. So, um, yeah, it's good to win, you know, scoring high, but obviously we want to keep it as low as possible on their end. All right, let me change tact a little bit. Watched last night, and he's an outstanding citizen, and he's a wonderful player. Now, he's not better than a wonderful player. Your, your counterpart in the middle, Bont, I reckon he played angry in the second half last night. He did the big Brutus beefcake over the top turnbuckle in the last in the third quarter, and then he took on Sis again in the final quarter. He looked like he had matters to attend to other than playing football last night. Was he angry? <laughs> Uh, he gets pretty fired up every now and then. He's um, probably doesn't articulate it as much, but he's one of those players like Libba when the game's on the line and you can probably feel someone needs to step up. He's always there. So uh, once again, just a wrap to be um, yeah run out of sight him every week. Yeah, the game was won. He didn't need to step up, but he thought he'd step up and he uh, it looked like he kind of enjoyed himself. He could have been playing in the 80s. Yeah, I think, well, Sicily, he's obviously, um, yeah, winds a few people up, so it was a bit of fun, and I think uh, Naughty was pre- pretty happy getting his shirt uh, ripped off and showing off his big muscles, so I think he was pretty happy with it uh, very quietly. Speaking of, uh, did you see Sis rip the headband off Norton? And, uh, I saw it, I saw it after got, the game. That, yeah, I think, I think got Bont fired up. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I think Sicily, he's, um, he's a pretty funny character, and obviously he played with him, Hodgie. He, um... Yeah, he gets under people's skin and um, it's all a bit of fun. And after the game, everyone was laughing about it. So uh, it was all good sport. After Sis and Bond had that wrestle on the wing, um, Libba and Sis were going at each other for about <laughs> 30 seconds. I would have loved to sit there and listen to those two have a crack at each other. Yeah, I, well, yeah, Libba, just like Sisley, they've always got something to say. And, um, yeah, let, let each other have it. So uh, I normally try and stay out of that stuff. I'm not clever enough to come up with something witty, but... Leave it to those guys that are good at it. I always felt, Jack, that you could give lip to some blokes, but there was the occasional bloke that comes along once every blue moon, even at league level, who says, I don't care, you're copping a whack in the face and I don't care who sees it and I'll get a few weeks for it. For us in our days, it was Andy Goodwin and even Damien Monkhurst, who didn't mind handing one out regardless of the consequences. Is there anyone you that they get a little bit, oh, I could be a bit gun-shy here if I get a bit close. I might just cop one in the in the mush. Not not too many more. you remember there's a few more cameras than uh, back when you played Doom. So we uh, everyone tries to look after their back pocket a bit and um, just a little sneaky <laughs> one here and there. So no too many left-right <laughs> hooks these days, fortunately. Who's the best sneaky one exponent? Um, probably the best. I'd have to say Alex Keith is... Um, He's low-key. He seems very well-mannered externally. 
<laughs> very certainly well mannered, but he has a definite fiery side to him. Good on him. And and uh, uh, the astronaut's not too protective of the headpiece, then, uh, Jack. Sorry. He's not too protective of the headpiece, the headband. He doesn't get too flustered if he nah. gets ripped off. How protective? Yeah. No, nah, he's probably he probably needs to get a uh, sponsorship deal going. Um, yeah, how how uh, much it's taken off. So no, he's not too precious. And you alluded to the fact that when the shirt was ripped, he's quite body proud, is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, he. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, he's, he spends a lot of time in the gym and um, fine tuning. You know, sculpting himself. So he's pretty happy with himself last night. <laughs> Cody Waitman, were you surprised last night that he played? After watching what he did to his elbow the week before, he didn't have a lot of the ball, but he ran back with the flight of the ball a few times, put himself in dangerous positions. Will you have any doubt that he was actually going to pull the boots on? Oh, there was definite doubt, especially after the game when you saw it. I think, you know, what he's gained the last, you know, couple of weeks, obviously he's copped a bit from the media and externally about, you know, potentially diving and things like that, but... I think he's he's gained a lot of respect. We always have you know great respect for how tough and and what he does internally. But I think externally, a lot of people are starting to notice how tough a player he is and how courageous he is. So um, yeah, I, you know it was his call at the end of the day, and he felt he could um, withstand the, the pain, which is uh, extremely you know great effort. Where to from here? What was Bevo's synopsis after the game? What's what's the direction as you guys uh, look at next week? Oh, we didn't speak too much after the game. I think we're, we've found a pretty good balance of just enjoying the win when it comes and, and then we probably switch focus, you know, during the week. So every game of footy is hard to win, so we don't try and look too far ahead. But, um, yeah, it's a big game next Thursday night against Brisbane. So, you know, obviously they're going to come back firing after losing to Melbourne. And, um, yeah, we've got good memories playing in Brisbane from the semi final last year, so it's going to be a great game. Did you watch a game Thursday night? If so, what part... Do you think you need to do to beat the Lions? I uh, watched a bit of it. Obviously, I thought they were, they were pretty good, especially in the first quarter. Um, and then, obviously, Melbourne really got on top around the ball. And um, you just see how hard they are to beat Melbourne when, when you give them the territory game. So, um, yeah, obviously, the midfield battle, you know, Bisley is going to be a big component of the game. We've got some great players in there. And, um, yeah, just playing the game in our half, which I think Melbourne did terrifically well in the second half especially. Jack, we'll talk about Riley West earlier, who's obviously had to carry a name into the club and had to be really patient and no doubt been frustrated uh, over the years through a lack of opportunity. You'd be rapt to see him getting a, a good run at it and, and performing as he did last night. Yeah, he is. He's, I think you know, part of his game that's really stood out is he's, you know, he's winning those critical contests and, um, and just being really unselfish around goals and, and finishing up his work. So um, he's, he's had to earn his spot. He's, he's had some really good seasons in the VFL the last few years and... Um, he's really taking his opportunity, so it's great to see. Final one for me. Your full list, and, and even though you got there last year without Brucey, your full list can press right to the top end. But it's fair to say that, that the division now, eight and six, isn't with the best in the league. You get some tests coming up. What areas do you feel you have to improve as a full team to really take on the likes of Melbourne? Oh, obviously, you know, as you touch on, it hasn't been uh, the exact start of the season that we've wanted. And I think um, Brucey coming back will be will be a big addition. But I think, yeah, just our inside 50 uh, conversion and, and probably efficiency around the ground, it hasn't been at the same level as it was last year. And, and then on that fact, you're not defending as well because you're not playing, you know, it's a bit more uh, rebound kind of footy. So, um, yeah, I think... 
we're starting to get glimpses of our best game we get together and um you know it'd be nice to have a few people back but as you said we've we've done it previously without without the personnel so you can't use too many excuses and it'll be your 200th game on Thursday night will you have many travel with you to the Gabba to mark the milestone uh, yeah, I'll try and get a few up there. I've been a bit unfortunate. I've my last few milestone games have been either away or in the hub during um, COVID, right. so I haven't had haven't had too many uh, big uh, few mates all fly up. So um, wait and see how that goes, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Terrific, Jack. Good on you. Thanks for spending some time with us, and good luck on Thursday night for the milestone game. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Jackson McRae. So um, Peter Blucher keeps these numbers pretty closely. Mm. Fastest by far to the 130s. So 199th game, Robert Harvey reached the milestone. 230 was the next best. Swan 243, Ablett 254, Pendlebury 273 and Mitchell 276. So uh, it makes him the most prolific ball winner. Uh, on that measure of a couple of generations. Some players just have that knack, don't they? They, they can just find it. I, I, out in the field, I used to marvel at how some blokes had that knack of doing it. That They just have this, like the smell of the footy. They smell it where it's going. They, they don't, it's almost like the, the Bruce Lee, don't look, feel. They just go there and the ball follows them. I don't know how they do it, but it's an incredible effort. You mentioned Rob Harvey there. I don't think he came off at any time during that career. There was no seven minutes on, four minutes on the uh, interchange for Rob Harvey. He ran the whole uh, journey to get those uh, 100 and something 30 pluses. Dermot Burton with Luke Hodge. You're listening to Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you. Crunch Time to stacked round 15. So far we've seen Melbourne decimate Brisbane. The dogs give themselves a look running all over the Hawks and West Coast with a second win of the season against Essendon. Luke Hodge and Dermot Burton are in places sort of planting your flag. Do you believe in the dogs, Derm, from here? The next six weeks will... Ha- haven't discounted them, Jared, but it's going to... If they win it from here... <laughs> well, gee, this is... It's been done. What was further? The one they won in 2016 on the eve of the finals, were they further from it then than they are now? Well, they were seventh with a massive injury list. And players coming back. Travelling. And three interstate, two interstate finals. Travelling. I mean, that was Herculean, but you just feel like the, the Waterloo campaign has been going for a few years now. And they've missed a couple of steps along the way. I've got some good opposition to come. Um, as you said, they play the Hawks again in the final round. Yeah, and you think Hawks they account they for with. that. Um, yeah, even the Giants, depending on how they go, whether they're pepped up, they they like taking the dogs on, and that could turn into a, the Giants' grand final. Um, so, yeah, there's some real good games. They're going to be tested by the time they get there, and that does take its toll. Last year, the season went one half a footy too long for them in the campaign. It might go a couple of games too long for them this season. What we saw on Thursday night, um, it restored, didn't it? As Melbourne's best is the best by a margin. Oh, without a doubt. I, I think, look, they, they were looking like they were going to implode. They had a month of footy you want to forget, off-field, on-field. Um, but it doesn't take much. Having a week away where everyone just goes away, you don't see each other for, for the whole week, you come back, 
Didn't they see and each other at real close quarters, though? Luke? That was before. Yeah, that was before. Oh, right, I think right, that's okay. why they needed that little bit of time away from each other just to take a deep breath. But I don't think you can't lose your ability. You can't lose something that they've shown for 18 months that quickly. And, and they had that belief. Everyone else is here trying to pot them. But sometimes you need everything to go wrong just to tighten up a little bit, saying, hey, we're a good group. Let's stick together. Let's go out there and show them. And what better way? You've got a team who's just taken the top spot off you coming back to your home ground, and they say, let's pants them, and that's just, what they did. Just on that, now you two are more qualified than anyone to answer this. Is there something to be said for you scale the heights, you win the premiership, the drought's been broken, all the euphoria with that, and then you come back and you're trying to get excited about a round eight game against North Melbourne at Marvel. Did they just need something to get excited about? And the fact they lost three in a row, had all that off-field turmoil as well, it was put up or shut up time possibly. Did they just need that stimulus to just get them back into it? I love the question, but no. Shouldn't need it? You run out in the field, you, you're on. It's just, I mean, you, you turn up for work, you expect to perform. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's not something, just, I can run a little bit dead today. I can just take the edge off it. But can you rage you, you all year at can you, you rage all year at top level full that, throttle full that's throttle a, full That's a good question. Can you can you as you call it rage all year? It, it's mentally exhausting, but the champion teams do it. The only thing I'd say, yes, Melbourne's best is best. Yes, full list, Melbourne's list is the best. This and my scale is Champion, absolute champion teams don't lose three in a row. Three is a good sample size in a row. Champion teams don't lose that. Something went amiss. Are they back? They're a lot better. Are they the truly and absolute champion team that we anticipate they are? They have been the number one team for a year. We expect them still to maintain that, um, that accolade for this season. You need a slice of luck, Luke, as you're well aware, to win two in a row. That could go their way from here in, and, and most of us would expect it to happen like that. But it's darn hard to just have the luck two years in a row. We've seen it run out for them a couple of times already. Gorney was out, and, and a couple of things went against them in the last month or so. But are they an all-time great team? I think they'd need to win three out of four premierships to prove that. Um, and they have dropped three in a row. That, that to me, is a little bit of a, a mark against them. They're the best team in the comp, no problem. But they're not miles and miles and miles ahead. They're ahead, but not miles ahead. As, as we've seen over three weeks, they're gettable on the, on the wrong day. They were in a weird situation, I feel, because very rarely you get to round 10 and think this team is that far ahead of everyone else. Normally, from the start of the year, there's a few wins, a few losses. They were daylight. Yeah. Everyone said they were daylight. It's Melbourne's to lose. Well, we thought they were. They were. That normally happens round 17, 18, 19. And what, so what, when everyone identified how good Melbourne were, that means team were try, teams were trying things to how do we break this Melbourne side up. If you go up against a Brisbane Lions or a Bulldogs, you're probably <laughs> going to back yourself to see if you can beat them. And if you can't, next time you play. But teams knew going in against Melbourne, their best probably wasn't going to beat them. So they had to try things. Fremantle found a way. Small forward line, Sydney, Bud was suspended. Small forward line, Collingwood, small agile forward line. So that was the way that we, everyone thought, hey, and this is how you get to Melbourne. And I reckon Goody sat back and go, this has happened at a perfect time. You don't want this happening in the first final because that happens to you, you're out. So they found a weakness. And what they can do now is they've got seven weeks 
to fix this weakness. When we come up against a small, agile team, they didn't see it Thursday night because Brisbane liked the, the three-prong attack in uh, McStay, Danaher and Hipwood. What they're going to be working on now for the next four, five, six weeks leading into finals is when we come, come up against that team that has one tall with, a, with six smalls around them, five smalls around them, how can we battle against it, them? It might not matter because they were plus 38 contested ball. Plus 38 is, a, well, the word was used, staggering by Chris Fagan. It was pretty much all done in three quarters. It can, was an unbelievable you, number. You bring up Chris Fagan. Can, can I ask a question directed to you, Hodgie? And that is, Sam Mitchell showed a couple of things against Melbourne, and that was to anchor a full forward. So May comes out and wants to meet the ball, but he doesn't like being put in the head on the swivel. And that upset him and unsettled him. Uh, uh, he put uh, Scotty McGuinness's lad Finn behind. He played to the outside of, of Langdon, and that really took away Langdon's ability to find, win, run with the ball. He just clamped him every time. There were a couple of little strategies that we've seen. Te- they're the best team, Melbourne, so everybody's studying them. There's a couple of things along the last month, six weeks, where teams have worked out little identifying points in their game which you can take away from. You've still got to carry it out. We know that. Did Brisbane not attack certain areas that have been shown to be, let's not call it vulnerable, but can be exposed in a, in a slight way. This is what I was sort of saying a little bit before, is Brisbane came up against a team where they're thinking, can we beat them the way we want to play? And if you go in again and you change the way you naturally want to play and you lose, you don't know if your way can beat Melbourne. And that's what I think Brisbane went into. They come into a situation going, we're first, they're second, why do we change a tactic to try and beat this side where three weeks ago you would have been we're daylight behind Melbourne we need to tweak things mm. as we said S, um, Hawthorne did it Frio Collingwood Sydney they found ways to, to get through Melbourne at times Brisbane wanted to see if their best is good enough to beat Melbourne at the SCG they needed to win the contested ball Fag said before the game contested possession stoppages is huge for this game they got pantsed and even without Gorn and then they wanted to see can their three-prong attack trouble the Melbourne defenders? They know with Lever, they know with May that they're intercept markers and off they go. They know Langdon's going to go up and down the wing and I think Jared Berry was very similar running up and down that wing with him. But a coach wants to see if his side at their best can compete against Melbourne who were flag favourites. And clearly they found out that what they produced on Thursday night wasn't going to get it done. So next time they play him, they got him round 23 uh, at the Gabba. Everyone's going to be seeing, are they going to tweak? What are they going to do? Are they going to put someone on May or are they going to back their forwards? And that's the decision for the coaching staff for Brisbane Lions is how are they going to go into that, that game and with that mindset? They might have to adjust after what we saw last night. The Brisbane forward line as well was slightly disappointing in the first half. They had supply and they had what I would call guilt-edged opportunities to score and they just fluffed their lines. Yeah, the, I'm not making excuses. I, don't know, I tip Melbourne, so I can't be biased. So people sort of say if I stick up for the Lions. But you look at their forward structure with their three tools. They've won, take away the game that Hipwood did his knee against St Kilda. They've won 12 from 13 prior to that game on Thursday night with those tall forwards. So that's why Brisbane Lions were backing himself because history shows that, well, with, that makes sense. with Danaher, McStay and Hipwood, they've won 12 from 13 minus the game where Hitwood did his knee. So you're going in there going, I'm going to back my tall forwards. Next time, you don't know. Because clearly, from the stoppages and how easy Melbourne were to transition 
out and, and get the ball in their forward half. Maybe that might not be the tactic in round 23, but it's up for the coaching staff to decide right then and there. But history shows that's what Fagan want to do. And everyone knows from, when, from the day that Fagan went up to Brisbane, he's going to back his players, he's going to have faith in his players to have a crack. At the end of the year, we'll have to see if, if that's the same way. The frightening thing for the competition, and, and, and they are the best team. I don't know if they're an all-time great team yet, but they get gone back, so they improve on paper. I still feel of, on that performance from Thursday, I still feel they've got some upside from that as well. So they'll get better. Can somebody else in the competition rise to the occasion? Can they stay healthy through to the end of September? So th- on the Lions, do, are you worried? Do you worry about them now? I, I, it's very hard to have them as the number one contender. I yeah, think. I think what you've what you've seen over the last five weeks, they've got a few areas they need to improve on. Um, their their form line hasn't been great, hasn't been consistent. They lost to uh, Hawthorne down at Tasmania. GWS kicked eight goals against them in the first quarter. They lost to Fremantle over there. They got over the top of St Kilda. Uh, and in saying that, St Kilda finished the, the game with two blokes on the bench and they were exhausted because they were trying to score and, and keep running. And then they got pants by Melbourne. So there's no doubt this stage of the year, they got Bulldogs on Thursday night, which is going to be a big test as well, what we saw last night. I think Chris Fagan and, and the coaching staff are going to have a fair planning meeting next weekend when they've got seven, eight days to sit back and understand what the best move is going forward because... They can't. Conv- we've all we've all spoken about how hard this top eight is. If you drop two or three games, you're dropping from first or second down to fifth or sixth very quickly. So, there there would be a few concerns. But as I said before, Fagan has the utmost faith in his in his players, and he'll back him to the hilt. Chairman, what do you think? Lions prospects. Uh, teams that want to challenge t- teams that, and I mean challenge the real sharp end. Something needs to skyrocket and improve between now and grand final. It has to really improve between now and the final fortnight of the season. I don't know where they're going to get that improvement from. It's not as if they're talking about a kid who's been playing, pulling, you know, knocking the house down in the seconds. It's not as if they've got a gun waiting to really come back in. I don't know whether they can skyrocket improvement. I mean, as I said before, I think the doggies is going to be a bridge too far, but They've still got Josh Bruce to come back in, which is a real functional piece of their entire scenery. Uh, Some teams, you feel that there is that skyrocketing improvement still. We don't know what the ceiling for the Dockers is yet. And, And that would be a watch as well. We know that Melbourne will keep improving. So if you want to win the grand final, you've got to improve dramatically. And Carlton... We don't know how good they might be when they get a full-ish list back that plays together for for four weeks in a row. I still have confidence in the Lions. If if they can tweak a few of those things and, and iron them out, that they can play the football that can win big games. And we've seen that. They've finished top two the last three seasons. So I've got, not, I've got no doubt if they can t- tweak a few things, smooth a few things out, that... If they're playing some good footy at the end of the year, and as Sam said earlier, all you need is four games. You've got to buy at the end of the year. If you make that top eight, you've got to buy and you start fresh. And all you have to do is play four good, solid games of football to win a premiership. Luke Hodge and Dermot Brereton on Crunch Time. Don't forget to check out the AFL record this week, Jeremy Cameron's 200th game. He features in the record. You're listening to Crunch Time for 7-Eleven Hot Food. Hot and... The Super Saturday of Round 15. Oh. Carlton and Fremantle at Marvel. Geelong and Richmond at the MCG. 
Sydney and St Kilda at the SCG. Things are about to get shaken around and uh, judgment, I suspect, will be swift and judgment might prove lasting from these three games. We will set you up for that as crunch time unfolds. Dermot Burton and Luke Hodge are in place. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund with you. There's a lot of issues from the week. Um, and a lot of them with that are going to ripple for weeks. In fact, they'll ripple mm. throughout the remainder of the season. So the Jordan Degoe and Collingwood scenario, I don't propose to work back through yep. everything that transpired. But I am curious as to where does it leave both parties, Sam, at the end of the week? I could make the case to you. So the leave that Degoe has taken is personal leave. Yep. The extrapolation was that, that he's taken leave for mental health Reasons because of the environment that has surrounded this throughout the week. What if I ran the counterpoint to you that, that he's so angry with Collingwood that he has no interest walking through the doors right now? Could that have any merit? Absolutely. I mean, we call it personal leave, but it could easily, just as easily be described as anger leave. As It's not surprising when you release a statement saying that this, the persecution, the relentless pursuit of the media has to stop, someone's going to hurt themselves... And you do a full, as stark a 180 as you possibly can to then release a statement saying you take full responsibility for your actions. You do a video that the, the Collingwood Football Club make you do around um, respect and responsibility towards women. That is a massive about face that the player has had to swallow in a short period of time. Hence the delay in all this coming to light. So I think absolutely you can run the narrative that Jordan Ngoi is unhappy at Collywood. Now, when we say unhappy at Collywood, perhaps not unhappy with the football department, even though he won't call Craig McRae back. That was a really interesting... Yeah. That, that Craig... That really surprised that me. said that. So they had spoken one day, but he'd been trying to check in each day, and Ngoi hadn't, hadn't Because I would have back. thought that the nucleus of his anger lies with the suits, if you like, at the club, those that make the decisions at ball Policy. level, and we, we get yeah. all that. We understand the background and, and where Collywood's coming from the, as a club and everything they're seeking to correct. Not necessarily the football department. So it was a club divide. There was four stakeholders that needed to be appeased to reach consensus on this. So two of them were inside Collingwood. Then you had Jordan go in his, in his management after that statement that he released um, on Instagram. And then you had the AFL as well. So there were a lot of parties that had to come together. Can you just run it through? So Craig McRae, he had spoken to Jordan, but then he wouldn't call him back a couple of days later. Had that play out? He didn't call him back, no. So Craig McRae had sought to call him to check in on him and his yep. welfare and spoke about, you know, I just want to get him back in and I just want to put a big arm around him and spoke with real transparency around the fact that he'd had trouble getting through to him. Sounds it's, like it's... when we tried to contact Croft, he just never, <laughs> just never picked up the phone for a month. But is there a chance that Jordan has completely gone, this is a real leave now? I'm checking out. I'm well, not answering anything for a fortnight or whatever it is. Is there a chance that he isn't upset with the club? I don't believe what I'm saying here, but <laughs> is there a chance that he might be that and just gone, I'm out, I'm checked out, nothing to do with Collingwood or football for 14 days? It, it, it's all possible because the, all Dugowie has done is a pretty carefully scripted yep. three 20-second answers to, to say what needed to be said in the public environment. What we don't know is... So you made the point, I think it was off air last night, Dermot, that the natural habitat is to get back in and yep. play footy. Yes. So, and this is the Shane Warne example. When, when things were at their most tumultuous, Go to he your was sanctuary. most comfortable going out on the field yep. and, and indulging in his sport, and that's actually where he thrived sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It it's the worst. one place you get to express yourself in, in, in the way 
that you physically can, emotionally can, and it's your sanctuary. But but that's if that's if you're like you talk about Shane Warne with cricket. He loved it. He breathed it. Not all AFL players love Jeremy Cameron. If he went through yeah. a tough time. He wouldn't want to get back onto the footy field. He'd want to turn his phone off, probably what Jordan's done. He might not have got back to, to Craig because he's turned his phone off and just want to have a couple of days by himself. But Jeremy Cameron would go. He would go out to the back to his farm. He would go fishing. He would go shooting. He would go camping. Mm. He would have no phone near him because his place is out by himself in nature. So some, not all players want to go back out onto the football field. I get the feeling that if Jeremy, for Jeremy, if there was an Australian fishing league that was willing to pay him 800000 a year, he would make a hard choice. So for, for me, for, for Jordan, not going back to the coach isn't a massive issue for me because he's probably taken the time away. The big one for me was the big flip. You, you, you might soften your, your stance on something, but you don't do a full 180 flip and go from, oh, you're picking on me, I didn't do anything wrong, to, okay, I accept my responsibility. That's, that's the one for me, sort of where I'm sitting here going, he's saying stuff that he doesn't really believe. See, I thought he had contrition in his voice. I've, I've interviewed him once, I've never met him. I kind of like the fella, you know. He's a rough diamond, uh, he's got a few black marks that's against him. Those who know him well say the same thing. He's great with all the hospital visits, he's king of the kids, it's just that he's in, an, in, in yeah. that environment that we saw, he's easily yeah. led, he's impressionable, and he gets... And he might be the leader of that too when they egg each other on. Perhaps I mean, not his, the right his, advice. His yeah. mates... His mates would be well advised to pull out their cameras when he's down at the soup kitchens handing out mm. soup or going to the hospital visits. But nobody sees that. That's, but that's the thing is people don't want to see the good stuff. As you said, he's, he's done so much stuff mm. with all that. But, but I, or, or, I thought he had contrition in his voice and he might have thought, I've been railroaded here. I was out on a party. I was in a consensual three days with a, a girl. Yeah, we, we overstepped boundaries for public display. But it was consenting. I don't know if that has any bearing whatsoever, the fact that it was consenting. Not in Collingwood's mind, anyway. Absolutely not. So what about the girl? Should she be outraged? Because you're actually going against her own... No, it's it's an image. I can understand that. I understand you're talking about the image. But what about the rights of the girl? Yeah, well, no one's questioning the rights of the girl, are they? No, but I'm saying she's got a right to say what she accepts. And And she did, of course. Yeah. And she did, of course. I think this standoff, though, and then we know is the, the key pillar was that Collingwood pulled their contract off the table at eight hundred thousand. If you were St Kilda, would you be sitting back going, oh, this is looking good I for think, us? I think what this has done now has just brought into sharper focus conversations that were already happening at clubs and really put a flame under them. Now, St Kilda, the industry would tell you that the Saints are front and centre for Jordan to go. In fact, they're the most likely destination for him. We know North Melbourne have said, never rule it out. Uh, Ken Hinckley on AFL 360, Jared spoke in sort of um, similar terms. And we know that Geelong are, are actively considering him as well. And speaking of transparency, Chris Scott, I could not believe how <laughs> transparent he was on AFL 360 during the week as well. So, Do you want to play that? Have we got some audio? Let's, let's have a listen to Chris Scott. I think this might have been Almost missed, Jared. Uh, have a listen to Chris Scott here on uh, on the on Jordan to go in his recruitment philosophies. Over the years at Geelong, we've had some success by being really clear that we want players to be themselves and have their personalities shine through within a framework that we try to sort of help facilitate. But I'm pretty sure that 
a good culture in an elite sporting environment doesn't involve 100% of players who are straighty 180s. I reckon you need a few who push the boundaries. And that's by their nature, that's what they tend to be, those high performers, those uber competitive players. It's hard to turn that off. Some of them are a little bit edgy and some of them do present a bit of a management challenge. But I think you want that as opposed to shying away from it. And I certainly would favour supporting those types of people as opposed to protecting the brand first and foremost. They were great comments, weren't they? And there's an example. Now, who knows whether Jordan Ngoi is prepared to move out of Melbourne and go down to Geelong. comment by him. But there's an example right in front of us at the moment, and it's Tyson Stengel, who might just be in All-Australian contention at the moment for all his troubles previously. We know Jack Stephen didn't work, but what this says is that history says Geelong have been prepared to bring these sort of players in in the past. So there's a difference between free to a good home, that's Stengel, and... Eight hundred to a million dollars on four or five years. Free to a good home. Free to a good home, but he was homeless. No one, no one was prepared to offer him that welcome match apart from. It makes it makes it a very small target risk. Yeah, Mitch Robinson was there. That's okay. But if you if you put a player on the highest contract at the club, then you are leveraging an awful lot. That's that's not Geelong's style, though, is it? They're not going to go. They're going to say, if you were to come to our, well, we've got a team that always play in the finals. We've got a team that has good culture, good people. If you're going to come, you're not coming at top dollar. It was, it's, it's a sale to come into our environment. We've got a successful environment. We've got good people around us. If you're coming to us, you're taking less money than what other clubs could pay you, but you've got a chance to have success. I think it's St Kilda, to be honest, if we're sitting here right now. Unless Jordan Ngoi somehow um, mends his... Or his his anger heals or subsides at Collingwood, and there's a school of thought that maybe Collingwood are just happy to let him go now, Jared, at the moment, given the compensation that they get back the other way. Derm well, you could, would be you can't sizable. let a talent like that walk. If it is a four year deal, five year deal, four years with a trigger at that sort of money, then then you're talking a real. If high I'm sitting in, in the organisation that oversees that contract, I think I'm playing it this way anyway. Let's keep him, but let's make out. We're keeping him at our behest on on closer to what we want to pay. Has the money dropped? So what was it? Four years, eight hundred. Well, it was two, two, two at eight hundred with a trigger for another two. two. So I mean, so stands to reason he's, he's going to get the four. three point two over four. Mm. Has that value dropped from other clubs? Would St Kilda oh, or would Geelong? Geelong, I don't think would pay. I think that it much. hurts him absolutely. People saying he didn't get fined. Well, in a, in a roundabout way, he probably will get fined because yeah. he might take a, a hundred. A couple of hundred off his off his wage for the years to yeah, come. That was probably explained to him <laughs> when they sat down it, it, in the meeting. Yeah, so so Collingwood, in an, in effect, if you look at it, might not lose in this situation. You you stay on our terms, and this is what we're offering, or you go, and this is what we get back. Would you bring into St Kilda Dugowie on the same contract, essentially, that Jack Steele's on? I, I, I'm not. What what's Steele's so five years, eight hundred. Uh, no. Because that's what we're talking about. But what if that leadership group are approached, as they would be, and they said, this is, this is how we think we can get better. I know exactly how they would sell it. longer years than all of this, you in this how, room this, this and bloke, more dollars than all how of you would they in this, this room. This is how they would sell, sell it. We can bring this bloke in on this money. He can win us a premiership. We're missing something up forward. He's a game changer. He can go into the midfield. He can burst. He can get stoppages. He can kick goals. And does that solve Jared's... He's X factor. Yep. He can win us a premiership. Will you let us pay him? That's how you sell it. And you've got your leadership group going, you're talking about us winning a premiership. If you can get him, go and get him. That's yeah, how they'll sell that's it. And true. that's what the reaction would and, be. And that's always been the sell. That, uh, Jeff White to Melbourne. 
when he went there on 300, <laughs> the salary cap was only about five times that. Uh, that was the sell. He'll help us win a premiership. Went close. They didn't get there, though. Um, always been that sell. And it works until the player does something wrong if he's the highest paid. And this, 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 this fellow, I quite like him. He's a party lad. That's the way he's wired. Something, and it won't be anything, but there'll, there'll be pictures of him going out, having a drink somewhere. And as you're well aware, Luke, having a drink or two could land you in some hot water. It does. That something will happen with him and, and there will be resentment there. Uh, is he paid more than Hill? Is it still more than Hill's the Hill's highest, the paid, highest paid Yeah. That sort of unsettles it a little bit. I, I'm, but he won't be, so Hill's contract will run out and he won't be getting near mm. 900 again. No, no, he's not a 900 player. And he's not here. in that leadership group in that room. That's I, such I, just, a, that's I hear what you say, Luke, but you go, ask Jeremy how privately how the week's been because of Jordan Degoe and what, what his singular actions have led to at the club at a time where they are trying to get themselves into a position to challenge for a premiership and then go to the board. Like, you've sat on a board, Dermot. This, this is eyes so wide open. But that's... That, if, and, I'm, I'm th- saying there if is a to... line between, I think, being um, ambitious and there's a line that tips into being desperate. And I think security should be really careful not to be desperate. Yeah, the coaching staff doesn't go to leadership group unless they've got the tick of approval from everyone above. It's almost the last one you go to is that final tick as a leadership group. Because if the leaders say yes, but the board says no, guess who's winning that battle? If the leader says yes and the coaches say no, guess who's winning that battle? So it's that end cherry on the top to come to the players. And the players will have a bit of an impact saying yes or no. But all the other behind-the-scenes stuff has to be done to make sure the question's even asked to the leaders. But that's how they would sell it to the, to the leadership group if it was that case. The, the world has turned in the last decade or so with the, the political correctness across all sports. But, and a lot of teams used to rankle with the fact that the media used to force them into running in a certain fashion. I, I used to always say on board, don't let the media run the way we run this club. But in this day and age, their say in the way you run the club is more and more. You don't get to run the club strategically as as perfectly as you want to run the club. You have to appease almost the media. And and some would say that is desperately wrong. There's a similar line that all the clubs who have have been asked about Jordan Degoe have trotted out. Chris Scott said it, Brett Ratton said it. And that was along the lines of if you're making assumptions on what you read in the paper and hear from people... Um, and you're close-minded on things like this, then we would be disappointed. So that, I think that speaks volumes, Terry, that they will be doing their homework at the moment. Winning solves a lot of things. It's such a Winning solves almost everything. Everything. That's the only reason why media don't have an impact on football clubs is if you're winning. If you're winning, that they're not true. going after the coach. They're not going after the players. As soon as things start go bad, coach is in question. The leadership group's not doing enough. All generated from the media. So the only way you stop the media from talking bad about your club, or mostly, is by winning games. And if you've got a Jordan Degoe, you can get him into your club, and you think that what he can bring can bring you a premiership with, and you trust him not to make the mistakes off-field, there would be a few clubs lining up for it. It's for the gamblers, Jared. It's for the gamblers. It is. is. I wouldn't be be punting my chairmanship. I wouldn't be punting my 
tenure as chief executive, I wouldn't be punting my time as senior coach. I never expected you would, Jared. Nah. So Simon <laughs> left. There's all sorts of ways you can find risk. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd be risk averse on that one. <laughs> Good players are hard to come by, though. That is the he, temptation. Are you sure that he's that? Good. Oh, he's well, a, a winner. He's not a consistent winner, but he is a winner. The recruiters tell you that the risk takers make the best players, Jared. But how much risk and are you on, willing? On grand final day, if he's there, he's not going to back down. He's not going to get overawed. He's going to take the game on. He's going to back himself. That's why you take the risk. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying, but I'm saying is that's why. Is chance of Brisbane, is he? Is this where we're going? <laughs> he, he has one moment in his career he wants to rectify, and that is when he let Jeremy McGovern lead him out from full forward in the dying moments and intercept Mark. He thought he'd leave his teammate to beat two and stay in the square. I still think that there's a burning desire in that young man to have that moment again. Yeah, and he'd been sensational in that grand final until that moment. Yep. Um, how how far-reaching could Jeff Walsh's oh. arrival at North Melbourne be? So we spoke about this earlier. He went in with the cannons at Carlton. This was a full-scale external review, warts and all. This one isn't being called a review. He's being uh, described as a uh, fulfilling a short-term advisory role in the club's football department, Jared. So as we said earlier, this is the one with the silencer on the 9mm going in. He's got his critics, Jeff Walsh, but he's got plenty to sort out here. And that might just be a good thing if you're in the, of the blue and white persuasion. Now, my understanding is that the way it's been worded is that he's reporting to the football department, he's reporting to the CEO, Ben Amafio. Now, my understanding is Ben Amafio, as that uh, chief executive, didn't even know Walsh was being brought in until the decision <laughs> had been made by the board, and in particular, the football director, Anthony Stevens, who goes a fair way back with Jeff Walsh. So, I would have thought the CEO's nervous. Well, Obviously, that's not coach... played by the board. If you've got a CEO, he has to know who's coming in in certain areas. Didn't that's know. not great by the board. Didn't know. Uh, David Noble as coach too is, would obviously be nervous. There's a real disconnect between the top office and the staff underneath at Arden Street. Now, that's highlighted by the triple walkout in the recruiting department, which has been so heavily criticised. So amid the debate over all the recruiting, and, and every club has that, is the fact that David Noble hasn't been able to unite his players, Jared. So Walsh will walk into Arden Street on Monday. He makes this a club now with three consultants including Paul Ruse and Jared Murphy, reporting to two heads of footy, including Dan McPherson and Brady Rawlings. It will take Jeff Walsh one day. By close of business Friday, he will have a fair idea of this dysfunction going on at Arden Street at the moment. So this is a board decision. Anthony Stevens, I said, as the footy director, has called an old colleague here. There's a few similarities to Carlton. Kane Little was involved in that review as well until he wasn't and he was gone. The coach wasn't about the coach until it was and he was gone. So it's going to be really interesting to see how things go at North Melbourne over the second half of this season. Are you saying David Noble should be worried? Yes. Okay. Can I, <laughs> it's worth drilling down because there'll be people out there who are stakeholders here and invested in the club. You say he hasn't won over all sections of the playing group. Yep. How do yep. you arrive at that statement? Many phone calls made, many conversations had, and and hey, it might go, um, there's probably something to be said for even when teams are winning. W would would a coach have 100% approval rating amongst his players? Players who are being dropped, players who are, are not being played where they want to play, players who are being forced to play when they're injured, or, or vice versa. Okay, so that's that, that that's a different so kettle context, of fish because with yeah, the the team that wins out in the ground, the core of those clubs, they're on board. 
they are on board. Yeah, there's oh, some yeah, disgruntled the ones, yep. yeah, that, that, that aren't getting a I'm game. I'm not speaking yeah. for every player on the playing group at North Melbourne yeah. either, mind you. But, but, but this sounds like there's a disgruntlement uh, uh, and there's not a I'm in the same boat as you from players who are playing regularly well, we, in the seniors. We, we know, and, it, and, it's, and it's flogging a dead horse in a way, but we know that the way David Noble speaks to players and staff has been an issue at North Melbourne. It's been raised with him on multiple occasions. It reared its head, obviously, publicly in the wake of the, the Gabba loss going back. So that's not a new topic of conversation. But that's a bit different with when you say he doesn't get along with all the players. Like every coach that comes into a new organisation is going to make cuts and is going to see people that he probably doesn't want there, there anymore. When Clarkson came in, there's a lot of senior players yeah. that didn't like Clarkson. When Fagan went to Brisbane, and I'm only talking from personal experience, there's a lot of players that weren't a fan of Fagan because they could see he wasn't, they weren't a part of his plans. Yeah. So that's naturally the way. And, and Noble's no doubt walked in there and said, I can't see a future for you in my plans. And whether he said it to him or that's how he's acted, you're going to have a bit of a rift because he's, if he does the same thing as the previous coaches, the club's going to be in the same position. Of course. Of is course. there he's any disgruntlement, some of the players that are just the different generation and they can't be spoken to like that? Uh, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I, I think everyone's issues are different. It's not just relating to the players either, mind you. So the recruiting department was pretty much the last department that remained untouched by David Noble coming in. The staff turnover at North Melbourne since he got there has been extreme and that goes to medical, it goes to high performance, it goes to everything. And the recruiting department was the last... Frontier, if you like. And yet they were the first who sort of brought light to the exodus, didn't mm. weren't they? Can I just ask, if, if you ask all coaches, stability, and what I've seen as a player, stability off-field helps stability on-field. All coaches feel a lot more safer. They can coach a lot better when there's sta- stable people in and around them. If their board is going to do stuff like this without other people knowing... How is the rest of the football club supposed to act in a normal, sane way and do their job properly if the people above them are carrying on as they have for the last 12, 18 months? Well, I think we know the answer to that. Had it not got to the point where if you were sitting on the board, you would want to go, hey, we actually need a really clear picture of what's happening in, inside our club because there's too much. There's too much of this around at the moment. Um, who's the best guy we know? Well, Jeff Walsh is mm. the best credentialed guy we know. Can you go in for a month? And just tell us what's going on in this club. Come and report that everything's fine. Having two heads of 40 years working, have a chief executive, that's working, the, the coach, that's working. Or come and tell us, hey, by the way, that none of this is any good. But that's, that's all good. All good and well, in theory, if you communicate between one another. But if one or two of the people know, but five of them don't, but then he does, she doesn't, how's that supposed to work well for a football club? Football clubs from the top down are supposed to be communication's your biggest thing in football club. Everyone on the same page. Everyone pushes forward together. As soon as you start doing things behind people's backs, that's when fractions start. That's when the f- club starts to fall down. So bringing Jeff Walsh in could be the best thing they possibly do. Mm. But make sure everyone in and around the club know about it and understand what role he has and who, who he's reporting to. The, the issue, and you mentioned board involvement, boards don't know. Boards are like, a board member is like a supporter and he turns up to the president's luncheon and he will convene, whether it's once a fortnight or once a month, and make policy decisions and they'll discuss the attributes of the club, the direction of the club, the finances of the club, but they don't know. Rarely do they get the opposition to sit in the coach's room and listen. Rarely, well, they can't go out at quarter time and three-quarter time Rarely are they allowed in at halftime. They, they just don't know. You're making your best estimation and you're reliant 
on a few people to report to you. That's why you always have your football departmental heads coming and making presentations to you. So you have to be sure that you've got the right football departmental. And it's almost like a coach to his players. That departmental head has to be critical to those he works with. What can happen when you're on a board and you look at, at departmental heads, they side with somebody else who's running the football department. Uh, God love him and he's, he's passed away now, Ken Judge. We wanted to know more about Ken Judge. And, as, and fantastic guy, but once he started coaching, he, he, he turned slightly different in his demeanour. And he would not allow anyone in. And yet there are other coaches. Peter Schwab said, come down, sit in, listen. So there are different attitudes. I don't know what, whether you saw many uh, uh, board members, Luke, who were allowed into not the entire inner sanctum, but who sat in on meetings, who sat in on, on some of these exposés and listened to how it was achieved. Well, Jason Dunstable was down there a lot. We used to see him. Obviously, match committee, he used to come down, see the boys walk around, and obviously he was the person who would report back to the board. So um, I guess it is crucial having that relationship from the at least a strong football person on the board to the coach, mm. to the manager, just so they can have those tough decisions, uh, tough conversations if they need. Yeah, if North Melbourne have been saying everything's on track. <laughs> no, you have to run a systems check at the moment. I think this is the first good decision that's been made in a while. And if it does put a few noses out of joint, maybe those noses should be out of joint. We're with Dermot Brereton and Luke Hodge on Crunch Time, looking ahead to Super Saturday shortly. There's still a few other issues to deal with. Crunch Time is for 7-Eleven hot food, hot and ready. Around 15 edition of Crunch Time, we're gearing up for the games today thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. We will work our way through Geelong and Richmond, Sydney and St Kilda, and the first to go is Carlton and Fremantle. We are watching some of those players warm up before... Us now, Dermot Burton and Luke Hodge in place, Sam Edmund as well. So the changeover in the Hawthorne president uh, and uh, how that's transpired behind the scenes, what that means, Peter Nankivell will take over at the end of the year from Jeff Kennett. So Sam, before we get our two Hawks to offer their view. Um, this time yesterday, I would have called them volatile times at Hawthorne because we were waiting for the statement for Hawks for change. And for a time, they were threatening a, a challenge of some sort, Dermot. They were calling it Mark Corder 2.0 and all sorts of things. In the end, that hasn't manifested, it's manifested itself because simply it was put up or shut up time for Hawks for change. And they couldn't put anyone up to take the presidency. So their, their man was Ian Silk. Now, Ian Silk despite what you may have read or heard, actually did nominate for the presidency and ran as part of the process and was interviewed. Now, in that interview, it became clear that uh, something had come up that I can't establish, but it prevented Ian Silk from going further through the process. So he withdrew in the end, despite having a list of 20 names and interviewing, I don't know, somewhere in the vicinity of half of those, some very high-profile people in Melbourne, the Hawks chose... Jeff's supposed right-hand man, Pete at Nankerville, which uh, obviously stirred up the hornet's nest that was Hawks for Change. Pete at Nankerville wasn't even supposed to be chairing the nominations committee, and then he did, and then he became president himself. Wasn't a process that a lot of members were happy with, but as it stands at the moment, Jared, I think it's um, sleeping dogs are going to lie. And Do he's you be think that the, the, the process that a lot of members weren't happy with, the fact that there was a couple of the uh, more prominent members of Hawks for Change on the on the review panel, do you think that gives that sates any of, of their? Uh... I don't think I don't think Andy Gowers was overly thrilled that 
pen and ink. They just reckon he got rolled. Well, yeah. well, well, you've also got Don Scott on there. Don's hardly ever been. He hasn't. A Jeff Kennett, a supporter yes. of the incumbent. But, but I think what Don that's two w- yeah. out of five. Yeah, yeah. But it w- w- what got forty percent. What was in front of them? Well, well Jeff Kennett, he, he's gone. So, so they would probably argue. Well, Hawks for change wanted Jeff Kennett gone. He's gone. Who I, did you want to I nominate? I find that hard to believe. Until he's until Jeff's yeah. left, I don't know. It's a bit like the Terminator. He'll, he'll handcuff himself to that desk before he leaves. You know what? I hear that, and I, 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 I love what Jeff's done for the club. You're, you're of a different. Well, people in this room are of a different opinion, and I'll put it on the table. When I was first, when I was on the board, and it was first touted, Jeff was coming in. I, I said, I've seen his management style. I'm not so sure this is going to be great for the Hawks. It, 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 he might be a, a shoot first, ask questions later type guy. But having worked with him for 12, 18 months, I, I think he's been fantastic for the club. Every, every prominent president who is sought out by the media uh, and asked to pass commentary as frequently as Jeff, some way, somehow, we always find issue with some of those statements, with, with some of their stances, and that is Jeff. That, that's Eddie, uh, that, uh, um, Tony Cochran, those types of prominent, outspoken presidents. We find issue with them all the time. But I can say from a, a football-loving person the progression of that club and the stability financially to progress on into deep into this this next century this century uh, that we've just entered it, the stability and the strength of that club cannot be questioned for what jeff's done who will who will vote in august canada or nankerville or well, tasmania good, that's a good question well yes. i'm assuming it'll be jeff kennett because jeff kennett won't step aside until the end of the year now he's so term am i right it... in reading this right kennett is a no and nankerville is a yes that's probably that's a, a fair pretty big assumption to make. yeah yeah it is it is isn't it it is i can't answer well, well jeff kennett was his term runs until the end of next year so he's brought that forward to the end of this year so the way i take it is ben and ankle not assuming the presidency and therefore won't be able to vote in august which by the way that that tasmanian task force final big document if you like for that 19th license is absolutely imminent jared the one that all the presidents uh, are craving uh, the more clarity the more information um is is imminent and then there's time to look at that and then the vote uh, come august brent costello ran a report yeah. last night which quoted andrew wilkie Federal MP for Hobart. Correct. Independent uh, and I, long time too. I will not be chasing $1 of taxpayers' money for a footy stadium when the stadium and the team should be privately funded. The AFL is rich. It has rivers of gold running through it. It has more than enough money to subsidise teams and stadiums. Yeah, so he's the federal independent member for the seat of Clark down there in Hobart. Now, has a lot of support down there. He was recently re-elected with a 70% majority, Jared. So he does have a lot of support. He's actually a soccer man. Now, he's been wanting an A-League team down in Hobart for a long period of time, and he wants a rectangular stadium built. That obviously doesn't help us. Will he go for federal money for that (laughs) Well, yes. The way it was explained to me by my Tasmanian friends is he's happy to take taxpayer-funded money for that. But the AFL with their, uh, quote-unquote, rivers of of gold just flowing through. Is this um, just posturing? 
No, I, I think he believes it, but I don't think it will matter. I don't think it carries weight. No, I don't. I don't think he doesn't quite, from what I'm told, have the same um, level of power or influence that he might have had when Julie Gillard was in power. So I'm not sure this has a big bearing. Would they like him on board? Of course, absolutely, they'd like him on board. But I think this just those rivers of gold might just <laughs> flow around, Andrew Wilkie. Can I give you just a little tidbit? As you know, I took my leave last week and I was away for two weeks. I was sitting in a beachside cafe in a place called Paros in the Greek Isles. And my partner oh, okay. said to... Well, it's the first time I've ever been able to do it. I've had an aspiration to go there for 40 years, Luke. Don't raise your <laughs> eyebrows. It's taken me 40 years to save up for this and get one weekend off. And my partner said to me, look at that lady behind you. It looks like Julia Gillard. And I looked back and went, oh, hello, Julia. <laughs> Julia Gillard was in the Greek. I said, it's two weeks past now, so security reasons. She's safe. She'll be home. I think she was going somewhere, another country. And she was sitting with her girlfriend just totally by herself. And I thought, there's a few politicians at the moment who couldn't venture out like that without a security Did detail. Did she give you a hello back? Absolutely. We had a good chat for 15 minutes. Yeah. That, that's the best destination combination name drop I've ever been part of. Well done. Would you say it was seamless? I mean, I'll tell you what. No, she was fantastic. And yeah, I said to her, what, no security detail? She says, I don't need that. Uh, and the last one, I noticed there's a, there's a petition doing the rounds from Essendon fans today yes. trying to get up an independent review of the football department in the of the football club in the wake of what transpired last night. Indeed. Not too happy with the uh, the, the internal, um, I guess, tones of, of the review. Change.org is where we go, Jared, and it is called for an independent external review at Essendon Football Club. They've got a bit of work to do. Uh, 205 signatures. They're hoping for 500. They might need a few more thousand on top of that as well. So uh, that's up and running. But right looking on. for Essendon supporters to sign the petition. That's some of what's happening around pretty lively football circles <laughs> at the moment. Now to what's going to transpire today. So the bounce back for Duraveg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. I've been waiting for tonight all week. From the moment St Kilda went under on Friday night and then Sydney went under as well, the loser's going to concede their place in the eight. They'll both bring a vengeance to it. I didn't like St Kilda's outs at all when their team landed. That shook me with Ryder being managed and Hills on personal leave and They've dropped Higgins at this stage of the season. But if ever there were two teams who will work each other, work their own issues out on each other, I think we'll see it tonight. St Kilda's best is blue collar. It is just real workmanship. And, and that Jack Steele Steel came back yep. in, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know Jack, a little bit to do with him at, at the Giants. Just a wonderful, wonderful lad. It doesn't surprise you. And he'll play through pain and it will not phase him. Well, it will phase him, but he just won't show it. Um, that's a, a good get for them. Their blue collar, I don't know if their blue collar best with those outs is capable of matching Sydney's best if they're on. If both teams are on, I think at this stage, the best of Sydney beats the best of St Kilda with this, these personnel outings. My, my concern for Sydney is their laps throughout games. And having teams being having the ability to kick four, five, six, seven goals in a row, yep. and sometimes well, the third quarter last week they were four points down at half time, and they got blown away in the third quarter through undisciplined defending, ball movement, and we know that St Kilda can move the ball <laughs> fast. They've got a great forward line, um, and they and they can score quickly. But you're right. 
It Paddy, does go pa- horribly pa- wrong pa- Paddy Ryder. Paddy Ryder is just, they look so much more stable with Paddy Ryder in there. And yes, he's getting old, but this was a game I'd be saying, mate, give us one more. One more oomph to beat Sydney oh, and have Tom, a press last week. With Tom Hickey coming back as well, Adam suspended. Hickey might be just the one game in the VFL to come back in. He could have been got at too. So that was that was a big selection call. You, you mentioned Paddy. Yeah, he is old. But but he's probably going to keep going too, I'd say. He's, he, he looks like he could keep going. He's got the, the, the requisite smarts to play this game, at least for another... Well, 30-plus games, I'd say. They probably looked at it going, it's two away trips in a row, Port Adelaide, yeah. then to Sydney, but they had the bye the week before, so yeah. you, you're thinking for this and, and how important this game is. I'd be, unless he but put they, up really sore yeah, from that Port Adelaide game. I mean, clearly they know the player better yeah, than we do. 100%. But, I mean, you've got Gorn and Jackson, and then you've probably got Ryder and Marshall, don't you? So they're a powerful force together. So the thing with Tom Hickey, though, is if you look at the average clearances attended, ball-ups, bounce-downs, throw-ins... You get a good, you get, get, you actually get a really average number of how many attended. Uh, so, with with Paddy Ryder, his split with um, oh, the other young lad, um, Marshall, uh, Marshall, they go mid forties each in the games they play. Tom Hickey's sixty one. He likes work. Yeah. He's one of those players. He's, the, he's a Todd Goldstein type. His body, although it can break down, when he's playing, he likes work. He doesn't fatigue in-game. I'm referring what he's been able to do at Sydney, uh, particularly last year. And as he joked yesterday, we had him on the captain's run, Jared. He's playing against one of his uh, 15 former sides this weekend <laughs> as well. So he's well-versed. He didn't give Peter Adams enough advice about coming up against your old mob and what it takes. They do cough. Big time, though, the Swans, when they get it wrong, as Luke said, don't they? They, they could still both miss, or they could both make it. Um, oh, Sounds like you're tipping a nil-all draw. <laughs> yeah, I think they're so interesting, each of them, because they, they have their flaws, and it just depends what's happening underneath them. Mm. But that's, one of them is, will lose their place to the Bulldogs as a starting point. But that's why this round's been so good, because you've got reasons for pretty much every team this round of why they could win, why they could lose. So far, I've got most of them wrong. But today, today's the exact same. Like every game today, you sit back and there's so many good reasons why every team could win. We'll keep working through that. We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack and go. About to unfold in the early start at Marvel. Fremantle gaping opportunity. Like they're already into the top two the way that the day has unfolded, but they can scurry clear of of the Lions with victory this afternoon. They handled Carlton easily in Perth earlier in the year. Or you could rev up Carlton's defence. What do you got? What? There's nobody there. Oh. What do you got? The rev up for me is finally make me trust you, Dockers, on the road. On the road, let me trust you. They beat Melbourne. I, I know, but just knock over two top four, six teams in the space of a, a, a month. Yep. And I reckon I'll trust you on the road. Still, when I see Docker's name come second and they've got to travel 2,500 Ks, there's just that hint of mistrust. This group's dispelling that. It, it did under Ross Lyon for a while. This group is starting to win it back. Make me trust you for the rest of the year on the road. What was his phrase, Ross? Anywhere, anytime. We're an anywhere, any. Any time to. He trotted yeah. that out weekly, I reckon. I'm, I'm actually, I trust Fremantle. I've got no issues with them. I've seen Enough. how they've handled Fife, how they've handled bringing him back in, sending him back to the second. So I've got full faith in them. My, my rev up is Derm. 
and your holiday dropping names, dropping places while everyone else is back here working. Gee, that was a quick thought out rev up, wasn't it? He just <laughs> that was the first one that came I to mind. I dropped it four minutes ago. <laughs> he was scribbling out his eight other options in the ad break. <laughs> I had 27 <laughs> and you hit the list very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Julia's home yet, but oh, uh, yeah, good on her. I'll be revving up the Carlton midfield before they're back. So, I mean, the data says that the, the, the undermanned back line's holding up okay. They were towed up by a non-clearance, non-stoppage team, if we can call that, in Richmond last week. So I'd be putting the asset on their famed midfield to roll the sleeves up today. How do you think this unfolds? I think Frio. As I said, I've got full trust in Frio. What what they've been able to do this year. And look, that one thing with the anytime, anywhere... That's what Fremantle look like. It doesn't matter who's in their side. They play a defensive, they play a defensive brand of 18, to 18 players. The way they move the ball, they're not relying on one person. Um, I, I think they're going to be too strong for, for Carlton today. Do you, does Brayshaw play on Crips? I'll, I'll go head-to-head at the start. I'll, I'll let Frio to, to balance out to see because you, you always want something to fall back onto. So I wouldn't start with the tagging of Crips because we've seen this year that the Carlton midfield, Hewitt's in there. There's so many other people who can stand up. It's not just the shutdown Crips and shutdown Carlton anymore. So yep. I'd be back and free to go and play their style of football, but also have that fallback plan if you need to. Interesting. Tabin are back as well. Where they start five? Do they really try to stretch Carlton and start five forward, or do they maybe they start him alongside Patrick Cripps at the first bounce and then roll him forward after that? I'd love to see that. Yeah. I'd love to see him say, Fifey, right now that you're, you're a new team man, this is a new side, you go to Patrick Cripps. Don't worry about getting the clearance. You nullify him. If that means you get in the right spot, show us how much you've changed your mindset to be a team player. I'd love to see that. See, I'd use him as a change up gear, Fife today. I, I would say we've done the job over the journey this year without the big involvement of Nathan Fife. Let's do it again, and after half time, we'll keep him fairly fresh. Nathan Fife, get in there and show us what you what you can still do, while the rest of that midfield from the opposition is a bit fatigued. Turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood, and Dandenong. Time on crunch time for a little dabble. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, indeed, Jared. We go to our man Josh Jeans, who I don't think would have got a lot of sleep last night. Josh, finally, your Eagles. They've won a game. Ah, just like the All-Australian selection, it all starts from here, Sammy. So, uh, you know, what a win, finally. Indeed. We're up and about too, actually. I haven't slept since Thursday night because we had a nice little collect. Yeah, I tell you what, you're doing well. Uh, $6.25, only the six copies, but that's what Dabble's all about, sharing those wins. So when you have a win, the community has a win, which is fantastic. What else has been happening on the Dabble app? Yeah, so a massive same-game multi paying $126. That was the big one landed last week uh, in the GWS Bulldogs match by Dr. Greenthumb. Massive effort and then a uh, nice... Bet by Woozy that was copied 42 times, which is fantastic. As we said, you know, the community has a win when someone else does. And what have the Crunch Time team got locked down for today, Josh? Oh, let's have a look at it, Sammy. So, loving the Frio Dockers. They're going to expose the uh, Carlton defence there. I like that bet there. Uh, you go on the Geelong Cats head to head against the Tigers. That's going to be a great matchup no matter what. And then the Saints to win by over 13 and a half points. What's your favourite one there? Oh, jeez. 
the latter. I'm taking your latter option. I'm ta- to be honest, I'm, I'm sidetracked by Dermot Brereton. I've got his little a post-it note in front of me here. Now, you know, we know that he runs his own race. Uh, it does Derm. Now, they're, they're, get ready for these. These exotics. Here. So, here we go. We know he loves a disposal. Uh, so he's got Sam Doherty to have 30-plus in the back half of the Blues today. If, if Cullen's defence is going to get exposed, then perhaps Sam Doherty's going to get a heap of it along the way. He's got Tom Hawkins to kick 3-plus against the Tigers. That's a big game later on. And under 170 points total, Josh, for the Swans-Saints game tonight. Well, we know that he does his research. I'm sure he's put a lot of effort into that one, Sammy. So, of course, you can download the app Follow the Crunch Time AFL team, and then, of course, you just have to hit the copy bet or follow Demi23 and go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Enjoying Crunch Time banter, check out Dabble Banter Channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly, call 1-800-858-858. Then between the two games we've spoken about so far, Geelong and Richmond at the MCG. So Dangerfield didn't make it back for the Cats. Dusty is back for the Tigers. They know each other in high-stakes encounters. This is a good one. Consistent, the Cats, aren't they? they? They keep bringing it to the table. They're not the best team in the comp. But I'm really liking this corner that Richmond have turned. Um, we're starting to see a more consistent output from with the brilliance of Shea Bolton. Um, that's going a long way. A couple of tweaks in the areas, as we know. They look like they can kick a winning score more regularly over the last six weeks. So, liking what I'm seeing there. Um, probably going with the Tigers there without any great, great surety about it, but probably like more what I see in the Tigers over the last uh, two to three weeks. Yeah, I think Tigers have won six of the last seven. So, like the way they've come back, their energy around the contest last week was back to what we expect from them the last couple years. Carlton didn't, ha- well, didn't help that with the handball play on. I don't think Geelong are going to give Richmond that. They're going to be back to that kick mark style, take the life out of the game. But you're right, Derm. I just think what Richmond have been able to do on the energy that they've brought back, um, I reckon they're just going to be a little too strong for Geelong. Without a great deal of input, can a name have that bigger emotional uplift to the team of Dusty Martin coming back in? Oh, they didn't need him last week. I just think what Dim has been able to change the game style to bring that energy, the pressure back into him. So I think what It looks Dusty... like they just love having him out there. The last couple of years, he wasn't the same player, but just knowing that Lee Matthews was somewhere in the forward line, you just felt good. And he wasn't touching it all that much either. Exactly right. but, well, I think in yeah. the middle, he, he doesn't just have to be in the middle down. So you can rest him forward knowing that the boys in and around the stoppage can get the job done. And it's pretty handy having him, Rewalt and Lynch, resting down forward. Yeah. Excellent crunching. Good on you, Dermot Burton, Luke Hodge. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a See good you, call. Sam Edmund, terrific. Jared. Good all afternoon. Right. So that sets you up for Super Saturday. It's about to all unfold on round 15. You will hear it all here on AFL Nation as we work our way through. Beginning at Marvel... With Carlton and Fremantle to do battle, this has been crunch time for 7-Eleven Hot Food, hot and ready near you. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.